great treasure we have tonight to be able to say that. It is well with my soul. You may not have a nickel in your pocket. You may not have enough money to pay your bills when they come due this week or next week. But if it is well with your soul, you're one of the richest human beings that has ever lived on this earth. Aren't you glad we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord? Come to receive something from the Lord tonight. He's so mindful of us. We have a surprise. Brother James Lovell is going to be speaking for us tonight. And I'm not sure who's the most surprised, you all or him. And then secondly, his wife. He didn't even tell her after Christmas because he didn't want to scare her to death. So we're so happy to have him here visiting with us. And we're just praying God will bless our hearts tonight and speak to us. I know we have many needs, don't we? We have many in our assembly that's sick, dealing with flu and um, COVID and viruses and all kinds of things that are going on. Well, we believe our Lord Jesus. Brother Darrell displayed it to us so beautifully on Sunday. When he come, he come to pay the price so we could be healed. So I know it hurts your heart as it does mine to hear the different ones that are sick. We're going to pray again before Brother James comes, but I'd also like to make it <clears throat> known to you that Brother Gene Littleton is... Um, Certainly sounds like getting close to time to, to leave, so we want to remember him. And uh, his breath, his breathing is getting more shallow, and all of that I heard from his son this afternoon. I know that I appreciate our prayers. My daughter Alyssa has been very sick. Pray that you just remember her. Also running to Brother Bill Yance the other day at, at Brother Calvin Ward's funeral, and he told me that he had had shingles for about 20 weeks or so. So I know that he would certainly appreciate our prayers. We believe the Lord's mindful. How many of y'all have a need or request on your heart tonight? Can we just take it to the Lord right now? And we'll ask the blessings on the word and then we'll ask Brother James to come. Heavenly Father, we love you so much tonight. We thank you for this hour that we live in, for this opportunity once again, Father, that we can come to church. Church for us is more than just something we do two or three times a week. We so look forward to being in your presence, being with our brothers and sisters, hearing the songs, worshiping, praising, sensing your presence around us, knowing that this is a place of healing and deliverance and correction and so many things, Father, that we receive when we come to the house of God. And tonight we believe will be nothing short of all of those things that we've just mentioned. You told us if there's any two would gather in your name, two or three. Well, Lord, there's way more than that here tonight. So we're believing that you're going to come and speak to us. Lord, you heard these needs and requests, and we're just asking you that you'd be mindful of each of them, Lord. We know the darkness is pressing against us so much in the age that we're living. It's hard to imagine, Father, that we are still here. We're at the end of 23 and going into 24 in a few days. Most of us never thought we would ever be here this long. But we're praying, however long we have, we want to give you everything that we have left. And we want to torment hell every day that we live. Father, we are not waving no white flag to the devil, but we're saying, Satan, you better look out because here we come. 
But Father, we need your anointing, your strength, your presence to help us. So we pray that you'd be mindful of us tonight. Brother James will come and speak to us. We pray, Lord, that you just anoint him, help him to be able to move out of the way. Father, may we pull on the gift of God and the life of our brother. May you just speak to us tonight as only you can do. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. Brother James Lovell, God bless you, back. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you can turn over to Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 and verse 15. Ephesians 5 and 15, it says, Seeing then that you walk circumspectly, meaning live carefully, morally, cautiously, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, you walk not unwise, but understanding that what the will of the Lord is. If we could just bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we've come to the portion of the preaching of the word, Lord. Lord, songs have been sung, an atmosphere has been set, but Lord, we're asking for your divine presence to come and to minister to your hearts of the people. Father, may the word go forth and have an effect. May it just not be words that they hear from me and they walk out and say it was good to be in church and it sounded good and 
But Lord, may it be a, a word that would fall into the ground of our hearts, that it would go down into the very souls, that Father, we can say from this day forward, something was spoken that it changed my life, that something there was said that Father, we can walk away a different people because when we come in contact with you, that's when you, Lord, you change our lives. You, you make us different. And we're just asking once again for your presence to come and Father, take this vessel and move it aside. Lord, you take everything under your control for your glory. We're just asking that you would have your way in this service. Lord, we commit it in thy hands. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You can be seated. As I said, we certainly want to thank Brother Donnie for the opportunity. Now the Bible says, let us redeem the time. And that's why we've gathered on a Wednesday night. You know, to the majority of people, Christmas is over. They've come to church and the next time they'll grace the doors is on Easter. To them, it's just a religion. To them, they know Christ as an event in history. You see, and so, but we have a great opportunity that we can gather in the house of God on a Wednesday night. We can come and we can give Him praise. We can give Him admiration. We can thank Him for His goodness, His mercy. We can give Him praise and tell Him how much we love Him, what He's done for us, what He means to us. What a great opportunity it is. That's why the Bible says, let us redeem the time. What an evil time that we're living in. People don't know who they are, what gender they are. It's an identity crisis out in the world, but I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to come into the house of God and to the, hear the Word, to hear the Word go forth and it can have an effect in our lives. And I begin to think that a great eternal God who had no beginning, had no end. An all-knowing God, omnipresent, omnipotent. And he, became, he came down and created this form of time and within time, this space of time, he would begin to deal with his people. But yet in time, he created moments. Now moments is what makes God personal to you. Moments are times that God comes down and he reveals himself to you. Moments are times that he comes and he makes himself known. When you're sick and afflicted, he comes down as a healer. When you don't know who you are, he might come down and he might deliver you. When you need a Savior, He'll come down and He'll deliver you. But yet in those moments of what makes God personal to you. And to lay a foundation, here Brother Branham says, and sirs we'd see Jesus, he says, now we get ourselves worked up in this human element of time. And a time element. He says the only thing that we know is inches, feet, yards, miles, measures, days, weeks, hours, and months. But God is eternal. We have a limited power and limited intelligence. You see, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came down, it was the earnest of their inheritance. It's the earnest. So we have a limited power and a limited in in intelligence. But yet God, that He isn't just going to leave us with that limited power. It's just the earnest. But He says, but God is infinite and all-knowing. He knows all things. He knew all things before the world began. He knew this meeting would be here tonight. He knew all things would be before the world began. And he could tell what the, the end of time from the beginning. That makes him God. Nothing else, no one else, no other being. No other person could ever do that but God alone. So let me ask you, what concerns you tonight? What problems do we have? What sickness do we have? 
that God can't answer? What situation in our lives that God isn't there to see us through? He's an ever-present help in the time of need. But yet as us, as human beings, we begin to look at the temporal things. These things, Brother Brandon would talk about our five senses. We begin to allow our senses to control the things around us. The circumstances around us. But can I say the circumstance that you're going through is not, you are not defined by that circumstance. You are not defined by that situation, that, that problem that you have, that trial that you have. You are not defined by that circumstance. And so tonight, if I can just uh, take a thought, it would be the difference of a moment. The difference of a moment. And for a, a subject, we'd like to title it From That Time. And so Brother Branham says here that we have these, this human element and a time element. Now we have this human, human element that we're all made up of. Nobody's exempt. Do we have any angels amongst us? No angels. So we can all set our halos under our chairs for this service and we can talk because we all are made up of this flesh. We came into this world born in flesh, born in sin and iniquity, came into this world speaking lies. And as long as we're in this flesh, we'll have a sticky nature. And this sticky nature will be with us until the, the changing of our bodies. So what we have to do is we have to bring this flesh man, this human element into subjection to the Word of God. We have to bring it into subjection to the Word of God. Our thoughts have to come into subjection to the Word of God. Everything we do has to come into subjection to the Word of God. As we read that our inward man is renewed day in and day out. Every day we must renew that inward man. And the other element that we are trapped in is this time element. We're creatures of time. Each one of us, we can show our true colors when we come to church. Some of us are early, some of us are on time, and some of us are late. It never fails. We're all creatures of time. Our schedules are made up of time. We look in the past and our human element would tell us that the past is the history. We can read our Bibles and see what God has done in the past. We can read of stories how God moved for others down through time. And we can read in our Bibles and Revelations and you can see what God is going to do. You can see the prophecies that are being fulfilled in our day or have been fulfilled. You see these things are elements of time. In the future element, we can read in Revelations of what God is going to do. But yeah, Brother Branham would tell us that we have to be careful to not remember, get caught up in the things of our pastime. And look into what God is doing and missing the very thing that God is doing in our midst. Because that's the moment that God is trying to make his time personal to you. You see, because that moment and what you do in that moment as the individual could alter your course. The opportunities that God presents to you in that moment could alter the course of your walk. Many times in our lives, we go about life and we get caught up in a routine. Doing the same things over and over. And You know, sometimes God comes by 
And he ministers to our hearts and he, and he wraps his arms of compassion around us. Sometimes we're, we get low and we get tired. and Sometimes he feels like he's right next door and he's right with you. And he wraps his arms and you're so tender hearted and you're so loving and compassionate. You have love for your brother. And then there's sometimes he pulls himself back. He pulls himself back. And he wants to see where you're at. Sometimes it feels like you're walking all alone. As the story would tell us, one set of footprints on the sand. But yet it's God carrying us. He doesn't love us any different. And so this time element, there's a saying that time will tell. Time is the greatest revealer of things. You give something time, time will tell. I've had a lot of friends, grew up in the message my entire life. And I had a lot of friends, you know, they, they get on fire for God and they get filled. They say they get filled and have an experience with God. But yet time will tell. Your life will manifest of the experience that you say you got. If you say you got the Holy Ghost, that time will tell if that Holy Ghost is there or not. Time will tell. You see, because whenever the Holy Ghost comes inside you, it's a new birth. It's a changing of your body. It's the changing the way you think, the, the way you talk, the way you act. You see, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, he walked different. How did people know that he had an encounter with God? Because he walked different from that time on. And so we realize that when you come and encounter with God and you wrestle with an angel, you'll walk different. You'll talk different. And time is a great revealer of that. You see, nowadays, everybody's a Christian. Some form, especially out here in the South. Some form of Christianity. But yet, you see, what they've done is they have some form of it and they've joined some religion. Why? Because they take and they hybrid the Word of God. They take the Word of God and they take things that they don't agree with or things that they don't see just right or they don't suit... It doesn't suit their lifestyle or things they want to live and how they want to live. And they, they live that way and they call themselves Christians because they want the name of Christ. You see, many times we, you know, you look out in the world and some tragedy happens. Something happens. Maybe it's a mass shooting. The family gets in an accident, whatever it may be. What is the first thing they say? What is the first thing they post? Pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. They've never said a prayer in their life, but let's pray. Why? Because they want the name, and then they want Christ whenever he's convenient. They want Christ in their life when, when some, things are going wrong, when their children are going in the world in the direction that they sh shouldn't be. You see, they want Christ when he's convenient. But yet they don't want the life of Christ. They don't want the very life. And I say tonight, give me the very life of Christ. That whenever I walk and I talk and I do the different things, that there's something different. That you're just not another Christian walking down the road, but there's a different life because it's the life behind the name that makes the demons tremble. It's the life behind the name that makes the difference. Every one of us as a believer must have a life to back up that name. We're all built around a schedule. Monday through Friday, we go to work, we go to school. Wednesdays, we come to church. Sundays, we go to church. 
And it becomes a routine and it becomes, sometimes it's seasons in our lives that we do the same things day in and day out. Day in and day out. It just becomes the season of life that you're in. Sometimes it's a sickness in our body and it may raise up and you begin to see it's a season in our life. And you know what? I'm just going to accept that. I'm just going to deal with the problem that I have. And we just do it day in and day out. But yet that's not who we are. That's not who we are. To just settle and just become conditioned to the ways of life. You know, back home, I was talking with an elder in our church, and we began to talk, and he says, you know, I feel that sometimes we have it too easy. Are we really looking for the rapture? Are we really seeking the mind of God and every day getting up and getting up with a different expectation, different anticipation of what God is going to do? Maybe there's some sick, afflicted in our midst. Maybe there's some with a question. Maybe there's some that haven't, aren't living the way they should with Christ. Do we wake up with a different expectation of what God, maybe today is my day. Maybe today God will meet my need. Maybe today is something different. But yet we wake up as humans. And we wake up in this time element. We get caught up in routine. You know, and I was asked, do we just accept the season of life that we're in? You know, some of the younger families can sympathize with me. Some of the older ones won't because they'll say you'll get through it. But you know, when you have young kids and they're sick, and they're sick in their body and you're up all night and you're having to give them showers at 2 a.m. And, and it just seems like they're long days and long nights and everything. And then the sickness just keeps rising up and you don't know what to do. And it just becomes hard and all these, yeah, we'll get through it. But sometimes do we forget to pray and seek God and say, God, help us. And you pray and you pray and you pray and it's not answered. So you know what? I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to accept the season of life that I'm in. I'm just going to accept this sickness. I'm going to accept this illness because I've prayed and i prayed and i prayed. We're getting somewhere. You see, but let me ask you. We're creatures of habit. We do what feels good, what works. We do what feels good and what works. But yet I believe that coming to the house of God and God began to deal with me with this personal to me is that sometimes we come to church and how many believes that God will speak to our hearts? It's an expectation that we have, right? But yet sometimes we come and we just get in the car and we go and we, we just show up to church and we know God is going to speak to our hearts. But yet we call that expectation. We call that expectation. There was no prayer. There was no anticipation. There was no seeking the mind of God. For God to come on the scene, to move in our children's lives, to move in in, in any situation that we have. Brother Brandon would speak on expectations because whatever you expect when you come to the house of God is what you're going to get. So I wonder those that have an illness, a sickness, Did you come with a greater expectation? Do you wake up in the morning and say, God, 
I'm expecting today is my day. And if it's not today, then it's going to be tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, maybe it's the next day. But you keep praying and believing because that's what believers do is they believe. And they keep praying and they keep asking. And they keep seeking the mind of God for the will of their life. Maybe today is your moment. How do you know that the next prayer that you pray won't be the one that breaks through? How do you know that next prayer won't be answered of God? You begin to think of moments. You see, God doesn't need, if we're sick in our body or we have an illness, back pain, whatever it may be, a heart condition, God doesn't need hours of surgery. He doesn't need to come in and perform hours of surgery. Sometimes He just needs a moment. He just needs a moment of your time. You know, sometimes for a, a backslidden Christian, one that's a wayward son, a prodigal, he doesn't need an entire sermon preached at him. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes it's just a moment of his time that God would pass by his way. I can see one back there that we prayed for and his family. And we prayed for. It just takes a moment that God could walk by and meet you at a Waffle House. No sermon preached, no hands laid on, just a moment that could change and alter his life. And I can say that as Reed, he has a special place because my wife, we would sit there and we would pray and we would pray. And you know, he was in our wedding, but yet at the time he wasn't living right. He wasn't serving God, he was doing things he shouldn't. But yet in that time, we didn't choose him to be in our wedding because of the condition he was in. We didn't choose him because of that condition. But we chose him because he meant something to us. And that's what God does with some of us. He don't choose you when you're down in the wall. He doesn't choose you when you're down in the dirt. But he chooses you not because of what you're in, but because of what he's going to make you. Because it's by predestination. It's by election. By what he's calling you to. And he's called us to be sons and daughters of God. Brother Branham says he's called us to be sons and daughters of God. And if we try to be anything else, we've missed the mark. So let's just be sons and daughters of God. Let's be ourselves. Let's serve God. God just needs a moment to change your circumstance. Let's turn to St. John 5. St. John 5, in verse 2, and it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. The Hebrew word Bethesda here means a house of mercy or a house of grace. Now I want us to understand, and you're all well taught, that God uses names and he uses places to give us examples and show us different things. So I want us to remember that this is a house of mercy, a house of grace. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and, and troubled the water. And whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in, it was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. 
And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another step down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath day. You see the difference of a moment. It's not how we see it and not how we understand it. It's not according to the law. It's not according to the custom. You see, the custom of that day was the stirring of the water. The custom of the day, Jesus went unrecognized because they, he didn't come as they thought. They thought he would come a different way, and yet he came in the baby laying in a manger. Many times people miss him because they didn't, Jesus doesn't come how they think he should come. They don't recognize that he's in the midst. How many times has this man laying there 38 years? How many times did this man make an effort to get into the pool? How many times did this man try to make it into that water and see somebody else get their healing? See somebody else get what they had need of? For 38 years, this man tried and tried and kept trying. And pretty soon, I would assume... And this is how I feel that this man kept trying and trying and trying until pretty soon. What's the use? I've tried over and over. Somebody always beats me to it. Somebody always beats me to it. I wonder how many times. How many times do we come into this house of God? A house of mercy, a house of grace. Full of people with sickness, illnesses. People who are troubled, that's what this house of God is. It's a hospital to those that are in need. It's a, it's a hospital to those that are sick and afflicted. Those that are lost and can't find their way. That's what the house of God is. It's for those to come. The sanctuary is for the hurting. A place of safety for the lost. Because let me say this, when the stirring of the water happens, it's a time to get in. When the stirring of the water happens, you don't wait on somebody else. You don't wait for somebody else. You don't wait on your dad or your mom. You don't wait on your neighbor because sometimes God isn't dealing with your neighbor. He's dealing with you. Sometimes God is moving on your heart and He's convicting and He's pulling and He's saying you got to move. you got to get your faith in action. you got to make a move toward God. Because God said, if you make a move toward me, I'll make a step toward you. It's putting your faith into action. Don't be relying upon somebody else. Because maybe that moment is for you. And you'll miss it because you're relying on somebody else. We come to church. And when the stirring of the water happens, that's when the healing happens. That's when God moves. It was God's divine way. And we don't come to be a spectator. Amen. We don't come to be a spectator. Because spectators don't have anything to do with the game. Spectators just observe. They just see what's going on. They see others doing it and jumping and shouting and getting into the service. But that's all they do. That's what spectators do at the game. They pay thousands of dollars to go to a ball game. They paint their faces. They pay all this money and hope their team wins. 
and hope that they don't get disappointed in the outcome of the game. But I can tell you tonight that you won't be disappointed when you come to the house of God. Because when you come, He's never lost the battle. He's never lost the one. He said, everyone is in the palm of my hand. I've never lost a one. We're not called to be spectators. We're not called to be ones to take up a pew. Not called to fill up a pew. Why? Because we've got to get in the game. And I, I begin to read and about the rich young ruler. He's mentioned three times in the Bible. In Matthew, in Luke, and then in Mark. And two of them he says, he says, what must I do that I might inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, do these things. And he says, I have kept these. I have done these from my youth. I have kept them. I know what the law is. I know the commandments. I know how to live right. But yet one, it says, these have I observed from my youth. These have I observed. And it kind of struck me because I wonder how many times that we have young people, and I did it for years because I was raising the message, and you come and you observe what's going on. You know the commandments. You know how to live. You know the different things to do, the different things to say, the right kind of life to live. To put a, put a front on. We know these different things, but yet he observed these things from his youth. But he never had an experience. He never met God. And so I begin to see that this rich young ruler, he had an opportunity, he had a moment, but yet he failed. He chose differently. He chose differently. And from that time, it altered the course of his life. It altered the course of his life. And, and here he's making excuses. Just as this man was lying there. He says, do you want to be made whole? And he says, I have nobody to put me in. He began to make excuses. Yet we don't have an excuse, young people. From the youngest to the oldest. You see, God deals with the Gentiles differently. God deals with the Gentiles as individuals. He deals with you as individuals. He doesn't deal with you as a group of body. He deals with us and sometimes within our hearts, He might send a conviction. He might send something in our lives to call you a little bit higher. Say, throw away those things that you're doing. Don't do those things. And yet He's calling us a little bit higher. But yet He's dealing with you as an individual. We know that the pool was God's way of divine healing for the people in that day. It was the way of healing. You see, first and second pool were attraction pools. They're attraction pools. They began to uh, gather the people. You see, a great multitude had gathered here. They're attraction pools, just like Brother Branham's day. When he had the healing campaigns down in Durban, South Africa, 25,000 people were healed at one time. That was just the bait on the hook. It was just the attraction. But you see, when you get into the third pool, when you get to the revealing of the Word, let's go back to our story. When you get to the revealing of the Word, Christ Himself was the revealed Word for that hour. And He began to walk right amongst them, and they missed Him. He was walking amongst them, and they were waiting for the stirring of the water. They were waiting for the troubling of the water, and yet the healer was walking right amongst them. We must recognize 
the revealed word for our hour. You see, sometimes God, he sends angels to do things for him. In this story, he would send an angel down to stir the water. He would send an angel down at a certain season. I don't know if it was every month, every day, every, whenever it was. But yet he would send an angel to do it. And somebody would get healed. But this day was different. Sometimes God sends angels. And sometimes he goes down himself. Sometimes he wants to handle it himself. Sometimes he says, Gabriel, they, I, I got this one. Today, this man is going to meet the healer. He's not just going to get his healing, but he's going to meet the healer himself. And that's what God does in our lives. Sometimes he comes down and he says, you know what? I'll handle this one. Just like the three Hebrew children. He says, you know what? I'll do this myself. I'm going to go down myself. I'm going to be that fourth man in the fire. And he's still the same today. He doesn't change his ways. He doesn't change the way he operates. You just must catch the revealing. You must catch the transition that God is doing. And Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, now we realize that they've had divine healings even before He come on earth. How many knows that the pool of Bethesda was a healing sign? And down through the ages, they've had all kinds of healing. But there was supposed to be a sign following the Messiah. He had a Messiah sign. And if He was Messiah, which is the anointed one, the Christ, then there was a sign of the Messiah followed that Messiah. He says, there's a sign that follows the believer. You believe that. God is a God of signs, wonders, and miracles. And if he was the first, if he did that the first time, he's going to do that the second time. And if he did that the second time, he's going to do that the third time. Why? Because God don't change the way he operates. If he healed one way, he's going to do it again. If he delivered one way, he's going to do it again. Why? Because he's God and that's how he operates. But sometimes within our minds, we get caught up in this human element, in this time element that we begin to realize and we begin to question why God would take one and he would raise up another. He would deliver one and keep one down. He would do a miracle on one and then he would do a healing on another. Yet the same situation. But yet that's our human element. That's our own carnal reasoning because he's God and he does what he wants. He moves how he wants. He says, therefore, what God said is perfect. If he ever called, was called on the scene for a sinner, the attitude he took toward that sinner, he would have to do the same to the next any impotent sinner from thereafter. If he ever was called on the scene to heal the sick, the, the attitude he took toward that sick person, he would have to do the same. Because he acts the same way. Or if he acted the first time, then he would have acted wrong, which is not right. Therefore, that's why God, he says he acted the same, or he did it when he acted the first time. There's God. You see, God doesn't change his way. That's the standard he has. But yet we get caught up in this human element. We know in our story, Brother Branham would talk about this, and hearing him, he would say that this this man would be sick and afflicted for 38 years. 38 years he had this. And God would walk through the multitude to one, heal the man and walk out. And you say, well, I thought God was all omniscient. I thought he was 
all caring. He cares for us. He has compassion for each one of us. Yet that compassion is to do the will of the Father. Because later in that passage, he says, I can do nothing unless the Father first show me. It's no different with the prophet of this hour. That's why he would stand there in a prayer line. He'd say, I'm waiting for him. Because I can do nothing unless he shows me first. He says, compassion is to do the will of God. That's what real Christian compassion is, to do the will of God. And we mix it up today and we try to put a human element to it. And we get this human element mixed up with a Christian and godly element, and then we make a mess out of it. Because we only know by inches, feet, and so forth, by pounds and ounces and so forth. That's what we know. We're a time people. It's an all eternity with Him. And we try to bring God's great infinite mind down to our little finite minds. You know, what would solve that is prayer. It's prayer. Because Brother Branham says, it's not what brings God down to man. But prayer is what brings man up to God. And when you begin to get up onto God and you get into that eternal element, that's why you can pray and you can seek the mind of God and you can be going through the worst days of your life or sickness or trials. And you begin to, whenever you pray, you begin to go up into the element where God dwells. Where He's all initiate and He's all caring. And He knows the end from the beginning. And He takes you up into that element and it takes away this human carnal reasoning and understanding prayer is the most powerful weapon we have as a believer he says when we get it all mixed up so the best thing to do is read his word and remember that his word will not contradict itself you see when you begin to read his word his word is our blueprint it's our very tie post. Everything that we have need of is in His Word. Any answers, any questions, anything that we have need of is in His Word. That's our absolute. Amen. That's what we go back to. Amen. And we just must believe. You see, in our story, we, we see this man that was sick and God came and He came down. Now, compassion is to do the will of the Father. And God would walk amongst it and He would speak the Word to this man. He would say, take up thy bed and walk. And he was made whole. He didn't pray for him. He didn't lay hands on him. He spoke the word. But yet our Bible says in Mark 16 that you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You see, it's doing the will of the Father. Whatever he says, do, do. And we see here that natural healing is secondary. We thank God for healing our bodies, for touching us. But healing of the soul is so much greater. What is greater? The, the healing or the opening of you know, blinded eyes or giving you revelation and understanding? Which one is greater? Because sometimes we come in contact and we meet the healer, but yet we stop there. We stop there. We thank God for healing us. But yet He tells us in this story that He meets the man in the temple and He says, you have made, been, been made whole. He says, but go and sin no more. Unless the greater thing come upon you. Unless the greater thing come upon you. And I begin to think about what this sin is. Because we receive our healing, but then we stop. 
And we don't go on and kick out the sin in our lives. Sin is unbelief. Everything else is just attributes of what sin produces. But sin is unbelief. And we, we get our healing, but we don't kick out that unbelief in our life. And I wonder how many times that I did it as a young person. You can go from camp to camp. You can go from meeting to meeting. You can go from prayer line to prayer line, or you can come and have be prayed for for the same thing that you were prayed for last week. Prayed for the week before, last year. Why? Because you got your healing, but you never kicked the sin out of your life. We have things in our lives that we have to kick out, we have to clean out, we have to wash out. You see the moving of the water. Brother Branham says that the moving of the water is also revival in your life. You say, I'm not sick. I'm not, I don't have to wait for the moving of the water. Listen, Brother Branham says about the moving of the water. He says it kicks the trash out of our life. It's revival. He says a revival don't, don't mean to, you add anything to the church. A revival means you re revive what's already it, it's got. He says that's a revival. You see, I, he says, I was standing there. He's talking about up at Lake Michigan. He said, I was standing up there watching the waves come in and out and saying, oh, the sea was jumping, the water was jumping, and the boats were rocking. And I thought, what's going on? I thought, why? The lake is having a revival. That's it. He says, it's jumping and shaking. Why? There's a rushing mighty wind coming down. I thought, well, you know what it is? He says, there isn't one more drop of it than it had before when it was perfectly still. He says, no more water in it. It's just all stirred up. Well, now, what's the stirring about? You know what that stirring of the water does? It washes everything out up into the bank. He says, that's what we need, a washing of unbelief out onto the bank. Let the Word of God have preeminence. That's what we need, a revival to wash out unbelief. All the bugs, superstitions, and things. Come and see that God is still God. And that's what we have revivals for. You see, when the stirring of the water happens, what does water represent? It's a body of people. You see, when the stirring of the water happens, that's what revive, revival is, and that's what it's for, is to wash out all unbelief, all the iniquity, all the things in our lives, things that we know that we shouldn't be doing, and we're doing. As Christians, we should be living a higher life. Kicking out all the unbelief in our lives. It's washing out all the unbelief and the things in our lives. The go and sin no more, I, I was looking, and go and sin no more is used two times in our Bible. The first time was here in the, in the, the pool of Bethesda. But the second one was whenever the woman was brought before Jesus was brought before Jesus. It was a woman caught in the very act. It wasn't accusations or, or, or gossip amongst the churches. It wasn't just something out there. But she was caught in the very act. And she was brought before judgment. She was brought to be judged. But yet this judgment, when judgment was there, when judgment was imminent, that's when grace stepped in. That's when God said, which of you has sin in your life. You cast the first stone. You cast the first stone. And what did they do? They walked away one by one, from the oldest to the youngest. What was it? Because they walked away ashamed. They walked away with their heads down. And there, only, there remained two in the midst. There only remained two in the midst. And it was the forgiver and the forgiven. The forgiver and the forgiven. Listen, if they would have recognized who was in their midst, 
if they would have recognized the man that was there, if they, they too could have walked away, not just ashamed, but their heads up, forgiven. Because the forgiver was amongst them. The forgiver was there. And yet they walked away ashamed. You see, Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. So he gave them both something to do. He gave them both something to do. To go and take that unbelief and sin out of their life. You see, because sometimes it's good. Sometimes we come in contact with the healer. But we must go on. We must go on. Because that's just not the healing that we're looking for. We're looking for healing of the soul. Because from that time, it starts something new. Because when you meet God, from that time, something is different. From that time, your life is different. It's not just as Christians that we can say from that time, but it's us as human beings. From that time, is a time and place in your life that you make a decision. A time and a place that God comes on the scene or maybe it's a time that, you know, something goes bad in your life. You can ask the drug addict out there. You can ask the alcoholic. You can ask ones out there. What happened? And they can point back to a moment that they can say from that time on, this one happened. From that time on, I went down this path. I remember the day that I chose this past. I remember the day that I drank my first beer. I remember the day that I did this. And from that time, their life has changed forever. But yet, it's not all things that we see in our natural element. But yet, sometimes from, our, from that time on, we know when God comes in our life. We can say from that time on, God met me at the altar. From that time on, God met me there on that day and I was filled with the Holy Ghost and I was made a new man. From that time on, I was different. You can put a stake in the ground and say from that time on, I'm different. And you can always take Satan back to that time and say this is the day that it changed my life. We can read in our Bibles of the woman at the well. The woman at the well She had an appointment with God. And from that time on, he said, I perceive that you have five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. She says, there's a Messiah that's going to come and he's going to tell us these things. And he says, I am he. What was it? The revealed word of her hour coming to her. What was it? The very word coming. The word being made flesh to her as the individual within that moment. From that time on, we can look back in our lives and we see examples. We can look at the two walking on the road to Emmaus. That they were walking and talking, but yet from that time on, God came on the scene. He began to talk and expound unto them. He began to give them revelation and understanding of who he was and what they were looking for. And from that time, they walked differently. We all have these moments in our lives. But yet it's the difference of a moment. You see, the difference of a moment. And a story that it never gets old. 
is the thief on the cross. The difference of a moment. You see a man that lived his life contrary to everything that heaven is all about. This man lived in sin. He had unbelief. He never did anything good. And I'm sure as he hung there on the cross with only moments to live, he only had a moment. But yet this thief on the cross, I wonder as he hung there, he began to wonder and he began to question, should I ask him? Should I ask him? And I'm sure within his mind he began to play, now you're not worthy enough. You haven't done anything good. You don't deserve this. What have you done to go where this man is going? Why would this man care about you? And I'm sure doubt began to set in his mind. And I'm sure Jesus is sitting there and he's saying, ask me anyway. Ask me anyway. Why? Because there was a deep on the inside of that man. He never lived a good life. Never did anything for God. And yet within that moment, Jesus is saying, ask me anyway, son. Ask me anyway. I'll give what you have desired. And he says, Father, will you remember me? Never repented, never asked for forgiveness, never did anything. He just said, remember me. And he says, you will be with me in paradise. You see, one moment, there was two thieves. One moment, one chose life. One chose death. The difference of a moment is what you do with that moment. The difference of that moment will alter the course of your life. And I'm sure as this thief, as he crossed over, and he began to go up to different ones, and he began to shake the hands, and I know you've heard the story, and he began to shake the hands of the different ones, and they began to say, God bless you, where are you from? What church did you go to? He says, I never went to church. Well, 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 did you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost? No, I, I'd never baptized. Well, did you speak in tongues? Did you do something for God? Did you give Him a glass of water? What did you do that you earned your way to heaven? And He says, I did nothing. Well, how did you get here? How did you get here? He said, because the man in the middle said I could come. You see, it was just an invitation from the middle. The man in the middle gave him an invitation. He had every right. The man in the middle said I could come. How many of us have received that invitation? You see, I don't have to wait until my deathbed, until I'm laying there with no hope, no thing. Right now, I want to give my life for Jesus Christ. I want to say, God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to do everything I can to make a difference. The man in the middle said I could come. How big is God's grace? How big is God's mercy? How big is God's love? Sometimes we take away from different people because we, we see that oh, they don't earn it or they don't deserve it. But yet that's our human element speaking. That's our human and time element that we begin to see and we look at these five senses around us and we begin to judge one another. But yet the grace of God is so much greater. 
is so much more powerful than anything that we ever have. Than we can ever think. You see this human element of God's grace and His mercy so much greater. And I'm so thankful that I know and I have a personal relationship with the man in the middle. That man has given an invitation. That man is one that you can talk with and have fellowship with. He longs and desires to have fellowship with each one of us. It's a daily walk with Jesus Christ. It's a daily love affair. He longs to have fellowship with you. The difference of a moment is what you do with that opportunity. You see, moments come and go, and then it's just a memory. It just becomes a part of our, uh, the history of our human and time element. But I say, let us redeem the time. Let us seize the moment that you're in. Because when God comes by, when God is moving, that is the time to redeem it. Because you don't know when the next time He's going to come by your way. You don't know the next time you might have fellowship and He might come down and show Himself to you. Yet He's still there. But we must recognize when God is in our midst. Jesus unrecognizes the wonderful service that Brother Brandon preaches. It breaks my heart every time. Because He says many times we miss our blessing because we don't recognize when he's walking amongst us. Maybe God is in your brother or sister. Maybe God is in one, in one another. Maybe he's there to reach out a hand. He's there in, in somebody. Maybe it's somebody in the church and God wants you to reach out and show compassion and love for. That's what Christianity is all about, is serving one another. You see, the moments with Christ are eternal. And they have eternal value. As we read in our opening scripture that for our light affections, but is, which is just for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which aren't seen are eternal. You see, we have to stop looking at our, these temporal things around us. These temporal things around us can then begin to control the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk. They're temporal things. They're temporal situations. But we must look to our eternal God who knows all things. And you know, He has your best interests in mind. He has your best interests in mind. He wants the very best for you. Yes, yeah, sometimes it might not feel like it. Sickness might not feel like it's the best thing, but sometimes that's what you need. Because why? Sometimes our trials is what brings God on the scene. Trials is what makes you closer to God. Why? Because you begin to pray more. You begin to seek God more. He gives us what we have need of, not what we want. The difference of a moment. Let's stand. You see the difference of a moment.
one of these days, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. It's just going to take a moment. Let me ask you tonight, what will you do with your moment? What will you do with that moment? Will you seize that opportunity? Will you take advantage of that opportunity that God has given each one of us? Ah, they come at different seasons. They come at different points in our lives. But yet I want to say I want to seize every moment that God has given us. Let us redeem the time. For it is evil. We are living in an evil time. Let us bow our heads. Father, we're so thankful. Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, where would we be without you? Lord, we just are a people that are in need of you. Father, things have been said and Lord, maybe some things have come across as condemning, but Lord, it's not condemning, but it's convicting our hearts that we can live better, that we can do better, that we can serve you more. That within moments that you come by our way, that, Father, we can recognize when you're in our midst. We can recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit because when the water is stirring, when the water is moving, is a time to get in. It's a time to put our faith into action. It's time to make a step toward you. And oh God, you see, Father, that we're a people made up of this human element. Father, full of faults and failures. Full of mistakes. But Lord, your grace is sufficient. Father, you help us. You lead us. You guide us. We know that Christian people, we will have our faults and our failures. God, a Christian people isn't a perfect people, but they're a forgiven people. They know who they are. They know where they come from and where they're going. They know that they have eternal God that they can talk to, they they can walk with, they can ask, they can seek. And so, Father, we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to be gathered in Your house. And Father, we just ask a special blessing upon Your people. Lord, may You just continue to wrap Your arms of compassion. Lord, there's many sick and afflicted amongst us and the sickness going throughout the church and we're just asking that the healing, oh God, that would move through the church from the front to the back, from those that are streaming, oh God, may You be their portion. Lord, we're just asking that You would just have Your way, that You would be with the pastor, Brother Donnie, the family, oh God. May You just continue to restore strength and virtue. Lord, be His portion, oh God. In the days that lay ahead in the coming year, Father, for this church in 2024, oh God, we're at the closing hours. We see that time is just rapidly coming. Oh God, we're just asking that Your soon coming come upon us. That we're looking and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Father, let us be found ready. Let us be found right. Oh God, wash out the unbelief in our lives, different things that we see that are taking up our time. Lord, we just want to love You more. We want to serve You. We want to give You our all. We just commit our lives into Your hands. Be with us, I pray, as we go our different ways. Bless Your people. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen.
Praise the Lord. the Lord. Oh, thank God. Maybe this is your moment. Your moment of healing. Your moment of forgiveness. Whatever you have need of. It don't take him an hour. It don't take him a day. It's just our faith reaching that spot and it joins together with his presence. Praise the Lord. I'm wondering how many has a need here tonight. Some, maybe it's not just for you. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a wife, a husband, a child. Those of you that weren't able to be here tonight streaming the service, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to pray together again. Would you just touch that person that's standing by you if you would? Praise the Lord. Some of you that are at home and you're streaming, Maybe you got a wife sick, a husband, a child. Praise the Lord. His presence is here to minister to us tonight. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, it's in the name of the Lord Jesus. We sense that you're here tonight, Lord God. We're asking you that you would move for your children. Lord, we know it don't take all night. It don't take a week or a month or a year, but a moment in your presence will change us forever. Lord, those that are in the visible audience may be sick, may be weary, may be going through a real terrible time in their life. May this be their moment, Lord. Some at home, some that will go back and archive this service. Maybe they pull over on the side of the road. Maybe they're in their office in Nairobi. Maybe they're sitting in their, in their little cubicle in Brussels, wherever they are. May the presence of God come to them, Lord Jesus, right now. May it be their moment, Father, that healing will come. Maybe a backslider will click on the surface. May it be their moment that they'll make peace with God. We believe it tonight, Father. Oh, hallelujah. As our brother's already referred to Brother Reed, him standing here tonight in the building. That man met him at the Waffle House that day, and Brother Reed didn't really want to sit by him because the man was a little bit bold. Little did he know his moment was fixing to happen. We thank you for that moment, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not sure if he knows it yet, but I'll go ahead and tell him tonight. Erica prayed for him time and time and time again because you laid him on her heart. Many days when she'd lay there in that bed, she was calling different names of sick people. Hallelujah. It was his moment. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. Come by this way tonight, Lord, would you? We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands, shall we? In the presence of the King. And may me hold.
heavy burden so load of guilt I had so much shame Oh, but in the hand of my Jesus It touched I'm so glad it did. And now I am no longer the same. Let's sing it together. Oh, he touched me. How long did it take him? Oh, just a moment. Oh, he touched me. but I know he touched me and It's been so good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank God. Well, maybe you can leave here tonight and say, from that time, God changed me. From that service, God did something for me. I believe it can just be that real, don't you? And that simple.
Let's all pray together. Father, if each one of us can think back to that moment in time, Lord, where you called us. Lord, I remembered not too long ago, well, actually, it's been a long time, over in the old church, Lord, that you had the pastor get up and say there's six people in this building tonight getting their last call. Lord, I was one of those people because you jerked me up and throw me down at that altar. Father, at that moment, Father, my life changed. Father, each one of us could say that very moment, God, and we could point back to that very time, God, that you'd come on the scene, Lord, and changed our life. How thankful we are for that, God. Lord, thank you for the word we heard tonight, God. Lord, bless our brother, Father. Give strength back to his body, Lord. Lord, it was, it was due, food in due season, Father. We needed to hear it, Lord. Thank you for the word, Lord. Father, may we just think on it in the days ahead, Father. Lord, may you just be with us as we go. Father, be with, be with Brother Donnie and his family here, Lord. May your arms just wrap them up, Father. Give them comfort, Jesus. Lord, may you move for each person here. Father, we place this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Glad to have Brother Andrew Glover visiting with us tonight. Each one of you, God bless you. Go in the fear of God, service on Sunday. Let's come back expecting the Lord to move forth. Glory, glory.